When I was here previously as a PhD student, I would go over to the, walk over to the med school every day to work, uh, do the PhD in biochemistry. And that took up six of the days of the week. The seventh, I was out on the ring road. I had a very big parish and I had said two masses and helped the two others. And there was a woman there who wanted to talk and I said, well, let's do that. But she wanted to talk back where she worked on the Fenway and not far from Harvard Med. And I said, well, I'm awfully busy then. Why don't we just do it right now? And for some reason that was always put off and for some reason the other was proposed. And eventually I met her there and we had lunch together in the area and uh, nothing seemed to be brought up. And I said, well, is there anything else? And she said, well, I've met the man of my dreams. And I said, well, congratulations. She said, thank you. And then she pressed on. Now, are you, are you seated? Do you have your seat belts on? Do you have the one that goes across here? I just wanted to check. It's a public safety announcement. Are you ready? You're ready. You sure? So she said, I found the man of my dreams. I said, congratulations. She said, thank you. Then she said, and I understand him better than his wife does. Then the next sentence was, and I understand his children better than his wife does. And so I was sort of rock, you know, it takes a moment to take this on. <laughs> Are you with me? Just take it in. You, know, you push it in one ear, it comes out the other. So I'm trying to figure it out. And then, um, so at that point, we were walking around the Fenway, and I must tell you, we walked, walked around the Fenway for a very long time. This way, that way, various spots. I've seen more of that than any historian. And uh, I tried a hundred ways uh, to get the spaceship down onto planet Earth, you know, so we could talk about things coming, but it wasn't working. And finally, I hit upon the following. Well, excuse me, I left out. She, I said to, uh, she said to me, uh, of course, his wife is very unreasonable. I said, really? She, she said, I mean, you can't make this up. She said, uh, I mean, we all have our faults. I'm not trying to pick on her. This is an image of any one of us on a given day. But she said, well, he, uh, he only can see me on Tuesday because his wife is so unreasonable. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I said, only Tuesday. She said, yes. I asked, well, have you met Miss Wednesday? And she said, what? And I said, what about Miss Thursday and Miss Friday? And let's hope to God there's a Miss Saturday and Sunday so he doesn't have to twiddle his thumbs all weekend long. Well, she was horrified that I would speak ill of so fine a man. She was horrified that I would speak ill of so upright a man. She's really angry. And so we talked about it some more and on. And eventually, I think the light began to dawn. Because I said to her, you're telling me again and again that your life will not be full until he marries you. But I assure you of something you don't expect, but you can see clear as day. And that is that when he marries you, the roles will have switched. And then his next secretary will be essentially what you've been. And she'll never be secure at home and you'll be asking him to do things like take the dry cleaning or pick it up or take the kid to school or do something else. And that other person and he will live the life of Riley and you'll be annoying and they'll be delightful and you'll get older and as they switch, they never will. And so we walked around some more and I didn't know what the result was. I didn't, you know, she didn't ask me to be in touch or whatever. Years later, I was back as chaplain here and I was out on the ring road for a wedding. And do you know what happened? She came up to me during cocktails at the reception. And she said, Father, thank you so much for what you told me. I have my own husband now. I'll introduce you to him later.
and I met him, and I met them both. And thank God that was resolved. We heard in our first reading, I believe it's Exodus 20, they appeared twice in the, in the, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Ten Commandments. And we very easily slough them off and think, well, I don't need to know this because I'm perfect in every way. But in actual fact, we need to know them all. We need to do them for them what the nuns did so well when they served us so well in schools all throughout the land. Religion generally in a Catholic school would be almost an hour every day. Say, what would you do? Well, there was so much work to do. Because you know what ramifications are, much like in a human body, certain organs? Well, similarly, the ramification of a commandment, thou shalt not kill, does not mean, I'm a good Catholic because I forgot to kill anybody this week. Thou shalt not kill means to love people and not hate them. Because hating people can, be, can grow and grow till eventually it can be murder or its equivalent. And so the nuns would always tell us we're obliged to love others, that you can't run a parish, a school, an institution, or whatever, if there's hate. Just can't work. Thou shalt not lie. You can't have a company. You can't have a state. You can't have laws. You can't have a constitution. You can't have a bank. You can't have a banking system. You can't have a corporation. You can't have a family company if somewhere in there is a liar. It simply can't work. The elderly president of Italy said the former pope, the popes predicted that there would be a banking crisis, and everyone said, well, what would two old gents like that know? But he hit the nail on the head, Benedict. He said, you can't have a banking system if there isn't trust. And if you take the year 2008, there you are. And if someone's a thief, that's not going to work either. You know the old story about someone invited to dinner at a home? And the saying was, the longer he spoke of his honesty, the faster we counted our spoons. <laughs> Not a guest you want to have. And on and on. And so from character comes destiny. If someone you can rely on becomes your friend, your partner for life, whatever, you have a life. If someone who lacks those things, you have in your life inbuilt a trap door. Or like in the first example, you could be fashioning in your life a trapdoor by excluding any of the Ten Commandments. There are people of great importance who tell us we don't need any of the commandments except this one and a small portion of it. No one is allowed to abrogate the other commandments because they all feed back on one another. And we all need to know them, and we all know them never enough. We give thanks to God for them and the nuns and parents who taught us them. They may seem elementary, that's in theory, and they're not even elementary in theory, as I suggest. The ramifications took a long time to teach, but they're not at all elementary in practice. All you have to do is save the money to buy a newspaper, and you'll find they're not elementary or automatic at all. And our unconcern for the commandments, our unconcern for truth, our unconcern for theft, People not being paid a living wage. They have to live. We're pro-life, but we won't give them a living wage. That unconcern for truth or honesty will be the death of us all, not just them. We think we could lie and we'll get away with it, but the whole society falls to rubble. How important for the Lord to have given us this great gift. How important for us with gratitude to receive it. Thanks for listening to Within the Walls of St. Paul's Sunday Homilies. Please consider supporting us by visiting stpaulparish.org 
That's stpaulparish.org. God bless and see you next time.